okay. Before you sit down, why don't you put your hand on your chest and say, Lord, here I am. Please send me. I am ready. Wherever you want me to go, you bought me. I am yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. I see that you are not sure, so your voice was going down, down when, when I was leading the prayer. Now say your own. Tell Jesus how available you are for him to use. Just tell him in a minute. Just tell him. Our Father and our God, we stand in the presence of your Holy Spirit once again to look at missions. Please work on our hearts until we are ready to go. In Jesus' name, amen. Please take your seats. I want to welcome you to church service and to this month of missions. Assemblies of God has dedicated a period in the course of the year to focus on missions. And today, I'm speaking on the missionary life of a Christian. The missionary life of a Christian. So what I want to do is, I want to use the first 10 or so minutes to tell you about my missionary experience. Then I want to to assemble for you the reasons why you must personally be a missionary and live a missional life. And at the end of my session, I'm going to make an appeal. And when you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, do not harden your heart. Thank you. How did I become a missionary? I was in the University Christian Fellowship those days. I was in charge of the Soul Winners group. It was the wing of the Gaffes that was committed to evangelizing the campus. So we decided that every student who comes to Legon must hear the gospel. So we went from door to door, Kwafo Hall, Mensa Shaba, 
Lagon Hall, Commonwealth. And this ship called Logos. You know, these messy ships, Dulos, Logos, they ply our coast. And they came to Tema. This was 1975. So I went as one of the executives of the Gaffes. And there was a gentleman who made a presentation on 52 of the world's most needy countries. I have never heard anything like that. And when he came to Mauritania, he said there were only a handful of Christians in the whole country. You could count them on your fingers. I wept. I was sure I was being emotional. So I said, Lord, if you are the one speaking to me, I don't have money to buy the booklet this gentleman is presenting from. But if it's you, let him give me a free copy. Then I will be a missionary to Mauritania. When he finished, he said, well, we normally sell these booklets, but I'm going to give it to you as a free copy. And he walked to where I was and gave me one. So I saw that it was a clincher. It took me 25 years after school to get to Mauritania. Because Africa is young in missions. So we didn't have churches that would send you as a missionary. Uh, I tried well vision. They were prepared to send me as a worker to Mauritania. But I wanted to go as a missionary. So after 25 years, I met Dr. Solomon Aite and the wife. And we were just conversing. And I found out that they had gone to Mali and served eight years. The wife is a lawyer and he is a medical doctor. So they served eight years there and they came back to Ghana and were starting a missions agency called Pioneers Africa. Now, what touched me most from that conversation was that they were also convicted to go to Mali the same day on the ship that I was convicted to go to Mauritania. So, he said, oh, JFK, if you are still interested in Mauritania, we will send you. I said, sure. And within a few months, I was in the U.S. with him. We traveled through 17 states talking about Mauritania. I came back 
And then I went to Mauritania for a survey trip. Before you become a missionary, you go there first to see the place, the climate, the food, the dressing, the language, the tribes. We call it a survey trip. So I went on the survey trip. And as the plane was about to land in Nouakchott, that's the capital of Mauritania, I said, Lord, even if I die, I'm okay. I'm okay. Because, you know, I felt so fulfilled. So we landed. But at the airport, the police picked me. Because everybody told me that Mauritania is 99% Muslim. And you were not supposed to go there with a pastor's passport. And I said, ah integrity. I want to be honest. I'm a pastor. So when they saw that I was a pastor, they sent me to them. There was a small police station at the airport. And they asked me, you are a pastor. What do you want in a Muslim country? <laughs> uh, that story, I will tell it another day. But they finally put me under arrest and I was accompanied by a policeman who put me in a specific hotel. And but the next day, God being so good, the gentleman who was to meet me and didn't show up the day before came. And so he was working with the US Embassy. So we're able to solve our problem with the police. And that was it. So, I entered Mauritania. I spent two weeks there. And I came back with the pictures. When my wife saw the pictures, she said, okay, you took the vow. You can go. I will stay with the children in Ghana. Well, I was prepared to go alone anyway. But she decided to take a seven-day fast. And in the fast, the Lord told her to pick uh, three of our kids and go with me. And we left two of them behind. So, because of the arrest, I told everybody, you know, to hide your Bibles and what have you. And I myself too, so, we got to Mauritania, but God being so good, the plane was delayed. So, we arrived in Mauritania after midnight. And it's a small airport, so they were prepared to close, and we had delayed them. So, here I was, I was the only person who understood enough French, and my French is lame in two legs. So, I was filling the immigration form for all six of us. Myself, my wife, my sister is a doctor. She also uh, resigned and joined me for the Mauritania. And then my three kids. And they came. And they said, ah, because every uh, passenger had left. So, what am I doing here? They said, ah, well, this is my sister. This is my wife. These are my three children. So they don't understand French, so I'm feeling, I wish you went out and stopped wasting their time. So they didn't open any suitcase. 
they didn't ask us whether we were pastors. They just pushed us into the country. That's how we entered. So, God is good. We stayed in Mauritania for four years and two months. Um, well, I'm sure you are familiar with the term cultural shock. A cultural shock is when you move from one culture, which is convenient, like Ghanaian culture, and enter another culture where the language is different, the food is different, the dip dressing is different, their customs are different, the festivals are different, and uh, you name it. So you, you, you become unsettled. That's what we call a shock. You have a cultural shock. So the country is francophone. I'm coming from an anglophone country. They spent Uguya, we in Ghana, Sidi. Then the tribes are Hassania, and we are Chui, Ebe, and then the kinds of food they eat, and the time they eat, and it's crazy. So, ah, there we were. Um, our journey, our life, my sister, because she was a medical doctor, she easily got a job in one of the clinics and got an interpreter. So, my wife uh, went to the university. She applied and she was taken to teach English. So she was teaching English to like 600 Mauritania students yearly. And then I became the house husband. Because when it's daytime, my sister is going to work. My wife is going to work. And I am the man at home and I have to do the dishes. Well, it wasn't that bad, but I got to know that, you know, computers were just coming in, and about 95% of the university students had never, you know, used the computer. So, I said, oh, that's a great opportunity. I rushed to uh, BAM library here. I took a, a small course in you know, Microsoft Word, Excel, PowerPoint. Then I rushed to Togo, took a short course in how to repair computers when they break down. I got some two old computers and set up as a computer trainer. So that's it. And I was in the house. So since I didn't understand the language and my wife was teaching English, she would tell her English students that my husband trains in computers. So he teaches in English since you are in my class. So the students started streaming to the house for the computer training. So we were in ministry. That's it. So for four years, our kids, uh, there was no affordable English school for our kids in Mauritania. So we had to school them in Senegal. 
the next country. So taking them to school, bringing them back, like I've been to Senegal, crossing that border like 28 times, sending the kids to school, bringing them back because they were young and you have to go and bring them down for vacation. And the ministry, I always tell people that in four years, we were able to baptize only four Mauritanians. And that, that's the truth. But non-Mauritanians, we baptized like about 20. Um, the highlight of our ministry there was disciple making. And I didn't start early. About six months before we came back to Ghana, six young men from our church came and said they wanted me to train them in how to uh, know the Bible. And, and I told them my French. They said, yeah, we like it. Use your broken French. So I was in business. Two from Togo, two from Mali, one from Algeria, and one from Guinea, Conakry. So two or three times every week, they would come to my house. I will use my broken French, and then I started discipling them. Long story short, by the time we were leaving, um, you know, one of them is currently the leading elder for the only evangelical church in Mauritania, Nuakchot Evangelical Church. Yeah. So, so that's missionary life. You know, you can't talk about this in one session. A lot of ups and downs. And because of the language problem, you know, my children still tease me. I was in a taxi and the taxi driver was crossed by another taxi and they started insulting one another and they parked and got up and wanted to fight and I could not speak the language. So I was telling them, Jainu, Jainu, Jainu. And everybody was laughing because they don't understand Jainu. What is Jainu? And I couldn't speak the Hassania. So I decided to learn the Hassania, learn Arabic, learn French. So I asked my whole family, so we were learning three languages for six months plus. After that, my wife and the children rebelled and only my sister was with me. There are three languages, how can we, let's learn only one. And they took French and myself and my sister, we took the Arabic and the Hassania and uh, the rest is a story. So that's missionary life. Uh, the food uh, is different. We stayed there for a long time. No fufu, no banku. There is nothing like ampesi, no kokoyam, no uh, plantain, uh, nothing. It's a desert, you know. Mauritania is about 87% desert, raw desert. So, you don't expect to see fufu, gari, those things there. So, when I got a chance to come to Ghana, I loaded bags with uh, fufu powder, gari. Amen. 
Okay. So what we are discussing today is why you must prepare to be a missionary. I'm going to try to give you 10 reasons. The first one is biblical. God swore to Abraham in Genesis 22 verse 15 to 18. He said, by myself I have sworn that in blessing I will bless you. In multiplying, I will multiply your seed like the stars of heaven and the sand upon the seashore. Your seed will possess the gates of their enemies. And in your seed, all the nations of the world will be blessed because you have obeyed me. God's oath is that every nation, every tribe, every language should be blessed because of the seed of Abraham. And he swore. Yes. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 13 to 18 says that men swear by greater than themselves. So when you want to swear, you swear by us unto him and the golden stool. But when God looked up, there was nobody bigger than him. So he swore by himself. So that by two unshakable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have an anchor for our soul. So the oath of God to Abraham is that every human being will be blessed because of Jesus. Galatians 3.16 says, the promise was made to Abraham and his seed, not seeds. And that seed is Jesus Christ. So, Jesus' is coming into this world is to fulfill the oath God swore to Abraham. Anybody engaged in missions and trying to spread the gospel to the other nations is is pushing forward God's agenda. Number two, every Christian bought by the blood of Jesus is on mission for God. The theologians call it Missio Dei. And Acts, I beg you, John chapter 20 verse 21 says, when Jesus rose from the dead, yeah, let's read it. Go. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you. There is nobody sitting among you who is not sent. If you were bought by Jesus, the Father sent Jesus so he has sent you. Now both the both Greek words used the apostolo which means apostle. It means to send forth officially. He says as the Father has sent me so send I you. You know some Christians are like oh me I'm actually you know Missions, what 
are you talking about? Yeah, I'm going to preach the gospel to people. You know. Well, me, no. I want to be a bank manager, an accountant. You know, when I finish school, I want to work with state insurance. You don't have that choice. You were bought with the blood of Jesus. You are not your own. Romans 14, 7 to 9 says that. Look, you are not your own. Whether we live or we die, we are the Lord's. Because he bought you. I wish I could convince you beyond that. But your marching orders is that. Just as the father sent Jesus, he too is sending you. You are sent. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, you are sent. You, 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 you are sent. No matter who you think you are. You know, a young man came to my office and said, look, these Ghanaian girls, I don't know what's wrong with them. I wanted to marry one lady. And when I told her that God has sent me as a missionary to northern Ghana, she broke the engagement. Then I got a second one from Legon here. And I didn't tell her I would be a missionary until about three months to the wedding. She broke the engagement. So now I've got a third one. I won't tell her. I'm not going to tell her, Pastor. When we marry, then I will go. Why? Our ladies have pre, you know, formatted their lives such that a missionary cannot fit into it. If you want the good girls, you want the beautiful girls, if you want the girls who count, then you can't be a missionary. They will talk you out of it. That's it. Because they are not ready for that kind of life. Uh, Mrs. Aite, uh, Dr. Aite's wife, he said when they were in Mali, they had twins. And one of the twins said, Mommy, Mommy, there is an FOM in the bathroom. And when she went, it was a snake. But because they were kids, they thought it was an FOM. But that's the life of a missionary. And I'm not saying it to frighten you. I'm saying it because you must understand that your life belongs to the person who bought you. Number three, the unfinished task. The unfinished task. As I speak now, 33% of the world has heard and decided to follow Jesus. That's one third. And that includes Catholics, Jehovah Witnesses, Mormons, Aladura, Christo Asafo, Nakaba, and all. 33%. Another 40% has heard, but they have not decided to follow Jesus. So there is a 27, 28% of human beings 
who have actually never heard at all. 87% of Buddhists, Shintoists, Hindus, and Muslims have never seen, they have never even seen a Christian before. After 2,000 years of Jesus' command that the church should finish this work, that's it. That's the situation. I, when I was a younger pastor, I used to tell my church members that if you are a Christian and you listen to the statistics and you are not challenged, you are a witch or a wizard. You are not normal. Because Matthew chapter 9 verse 36 says that when Jesus saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd, harassed, helpless. And he, he was moved with compassion. You hear these things and you, are, you laugh. Are you not a witch? Because you, don't, you are not normal. That's it. Okay. In addition to that, we have what we call the unreached people groups. The UPGs. And the UUPG. Unengaged and rich people groups. An unreached people group is a group of people who speak the same language and have the same customs, but they have less than five out of 100, five percent saying they are attached to Christianity and less than 2% evangelical Christians. You say, why is that important? Because when the Matthew 28, 19 challenge was given, Jesus said, go therefore, make disciples of all the nations. Now, when I first read it, I thought it meant Ghana, Togo, Benin, Cote d'Ivoire, Senegal, Gambia. But the Greek word used is ta ethne. Ta ethne. And it refers to ethnic groups, ethno linguistic people groups. You are talking about the Hausa, Benzema, the Awin. You are talking about the Ebe, the Santro Kofi. You are talking about the Chakali, the Chala, the Busanga. You are talking about the Gonja, the Mampusi. You are talking about the Dangbe, the Krobo. And you, you are talking about people groups who speak the same language. So Ghana alone has 111 people groups. So when as a missionary, you come to Accra and preach to the people here, you have not obeyed Jesus. We are to go to the ethnic groups. So Nigeria alone has 541 ethnic 
ethno-linguistic people group, Papua New Guinea, alone, one country, has over 852 people groups. So, as I speak now, well, I'm taking the, you know, there are various Christian authorities who have done the counting and the statistics and all. But I'm relying on the Joshua Project. And you can just Google it. There are 17,400 people groups in the world. Out of that, 7,400 are unreached. That's 42.5% of humankind. They are rich. Now, you say, so what? So everything. So everything. Matthew 24, 14. Jesus said, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness to all nations. Then shall the end come. Mark 16, verse 15 and 16. He said, go, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that does not believe shall be condemned. Mark 13, verse 10. Jesus said, the gospel must first be preached among all nations. First. And first means what? First. The meaning of first is first. You don't need the Greek and Hebrew. The meaning of first is first. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. When we come, you say, I want to take my degree first. I want to marry first. I want to build a house first. We put so many things first that after 2,000 years, the work is not done. He said in Acts 1, 8, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me both in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. We receive the Holy Spirit. But we don't want to go. We want more anointing. More anointing. More. Oh, Father, more anointing. But we don't want to go. Is it not crazy? Now, not only that, we are not just talking about statistics. We have what we call the 1040 window. The 1040 window is latitude 10, you know, just around Navrongo into latitude 40. That box, rectangle, from Africa to Asia alone has 6,200 and rich people group. Are you with me? Libya is 99.6% Muslim. 
Algeria is 98% Muslim. Tunisia is 98% Muslim. Mauritania is 99% Muslim. Morocco is 99% Muslim. Western Sahara is 100% Muslim. Gambia is 95% Muslim. Senegal is 92% Muslim. Yesterday I spoke with one of our pastors in Mali. I tell people Mali is 92% Muslim. And he said Mali is 95% Muslim. Niger is 97% Muslim. Sierra Leone is 60% Muslim. Somalia, I was telling people Somalia is 90% Muslim. I took a taxi in London. And when I asked the guy, I preached to the guy. He says, I am from Somalia. Somalia is 99% Muslim. <laughs> you look, Egypt is 84% Muslim. Egypt is the country which had the first Bible college for the whole Christian world in Alexandria. Now, it is 84%. All the seven churches mentioned in Revelations chapter 2 and 3, they are all Muslim, Turkey now. Look at Nigeria. 210 million still counting. Is 50% Muslim. There are over 105 million Muslims in Nigeria alone. That is three times of Ghana. All Ghanaians put together times three is the number of Muslims in just Nigeria. When you hear such statistics and you don't care, are you normal? Something's wrong somewhere. But this is the truth. I haven't talked about India and Indonesia, largest populations of Muslims in the whole world. Hindus. And they have not heard once. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 and 14 say that. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. But how can, let's all read it. Go. Yes, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But look at the verse 14. Let's read it. How then that they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preaching? That's it. How can they hear if nobody goes to them? If everybody is in his comfort zone, everybody wants to be in the top five, you know, you want to be among the Joneses, you know, have the right car, wear the right shoe, 
dressed the right way, live in the right homes, because God is blessing you. He has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. The Lord is good all the time. How can they hear without a preacher? This is the argument for missions. But that's not all. The value of the human soul. There is something about man that even men do not understand. God made man in his image and after his likeness. So even a madman, if you kill a madman, God will hold you accountable. That's um, Genesis chapter 9, verse 6. The image of God in man is higher than angels. It's higher than animals. God put his image in man. And he put all things under his feet. Psalms 8, verse 6. Now, not only that, Prophet, Mark 8, 36 says, what shall he profit him if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? If you have 100 skyscrapers in London and 52 story buildings in Washington, D.C. and like Accra, you just have about 300 building plots and 80 80 buildings. What shall it profit a man if he, he gains the whole world with seven PhDs and eight first classes but loses his soul? The mathematics of Jesus is that your soul weighs more than anything you can ever do and get. You brought nothing to this world. 1 Timothy 6, verse 6 and 7. And you can carry nothing out. Ask any midwife. No child is born with a pair of shorts. And ask every pastor. We bury them. Nobody leaves this world, even with a mobile phone. You didn't come with a pair of shorts. So if you are living with mobile phone, you are a thief. Yeah. You brought nothing into this world. It is certain you can carry nothing out. Are you thinking properly? When 95% of your time, your energy, your strength, your talents is spent on this life and the life to come, which is eternal, you are not doing anything to benefit. Are you correct? Are you reasoning? What shall he profit about? Gains the whole world. And loses his soul. Not only that. The Bible says. Every human being you see. Is either going to heaven. Or hell. You will meet them again. Look at them carefully. Every human being you see. Look at them carefully. You will meet them again. Heaven. Hell. Forever. So Matthew 10, 28. Jesus says. Don't fear people who kill the body and can do nothing to the soul. Fear him 
who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Fear him. Matthew 10, 28. And Luke 12, verse 4 and 5. The truth is that you need to get your priorities right as a youth. If you fail now, you fail everywhere. You grow up to be an old man, old lady, with nothing to offer except the histories of things you have done on this earth. Yeah. I, I went for a crusade in the Volta region, Leclebi, Carmichael, and I was in Hawkeye in the Volta region when a lady came with a white handkerchief. And she said, are you Pastor Mensah? I said, yes. He said, our grandmother says I should bring you this white handkerchief. You came and preached about Jesus and I believed. Now I am dying. I'm going there. I'm waiting for you. Take this handkerchief as a witness. Every human being you see, you will meet the person again in heaven. In hell, that woman who has been doing your hair for you, you never spoke to her about Jesus. When you die, and you are going to heaven. She say, Nancy, so you knew there was heaven and there is hell where I suffer. I was doing your hair for you. You never talked to me. Go to your heaven. Go. Hey, Edith, you were buying bread from me every day. You never spoke to me about Jesus. Now, you are going to your heaven. Go. 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 I was babbing you. And you were looking handsome. Even for the lady you married. I babbed you for your wedding. You never told me that Jesus can save you. And if I call on his name, I'll be saved. That there is heaven and hell. You suffer eternal. You never said it. Today you are going. Go to your heaven. Go. Go. That's what is going to happen on judgment day. Because you were God's last hope for that person. That's why he was, she was doing your head. You were God's last hope for the person you buy bread for. Then, there is the issue of the call of God from above, which we call the Great Commission. It's a charge God has given us. Go, go, go. How many times do you look into the sky before you see the sun? How many times does Jesus need to talk before we hear? Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says that, God is not slow about bringing this world to an end. But he is being patient towards us. Not willing that any should perish. But all should come to repentance. Yeah. He is being long-suffering towards us. Not willing that any should perish. Not willing. God is not willing that any should perish. God is not willing that any should perish. 
God is not willing that any should perish. God is not willing that any should perish. God is not willing that any should perish. God is not willing that any should perish. But that all should come to repentance. God is not willing that any should perish. But all should come to repentance. God is not willing that any should perish. Then there is the charge from the pit of hell. You haven't heard ghosts talk before. But in Luke chapter 16, from verse 19 to 31, it's a long passage. But, thank you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. So, the truth is that Lazarus's rich man, he was telling Father Abraham to send Lazarus to his father's house. Let's read that one at least. Get to verse, let's take it from verse 25. Yes. But Abraham said, remember that in your lifetime you receive good things. And likewise, Lazarus' evil things. But now, he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot. Nor can those from there pass. You are separated forever from the unbeliever. Forever. Yes. Then he said, this is the ghost, the dead man, the cemetery. I beg you, therefore, Father, that you will send him to my father's house. Even wicked unbelievers, when they die, they beg Christians, go to my father's house. I beg. I beg. These are dead people. He's already dead. But he's begging Christian, go to my father. For I have five brothers that they may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. And this is by Jesus, not Paul. Amen? Okay. Now, I want to answer the question. So what, what should you do? You know already. Every Christian. Has to be missionary. You need a posture. An attitude. A way of life. Such that. Jesus can send you anywhere he wants. Yes, you are doing a Greek. You get your degree as an Greek officer. You can go to Mali to practice as an Greek officer. You can. And use it as a platform to missions. You are a missionary. Look at the number of students who leave our shores daily 
for further studies in the US, UK, the larger Europe, China, Ukraine, and what have you. Every one of them going. He's a missionary. You are a Christian. You are going anywhere to do further studies. You are first and foremost a missionary before your course. What about your prayer life? What I started doing some years ago was I took the globe and I got the name of every single country in the world. And I started praying for each country every day. Each country in the world, every day. Then my family joined me. So we broke it into Monday, Africa, Tuesday, uh, Asia, Wednesday, Europe, Thursday, North, South America, then Oceania on Fridays, and so on. As I speak now, we have CDM USA, CDM Canada, CDM Europe. We have CDM. Why? Because that prayer alone caused God to work. My son is doing PhD in Australia. I didn't send him there. He just got the scholarship. My daughter is in the U.S. now. I didn't send her there. The husband just landed a job there and she went with him. You know, you can pray. At least pray. You see, look at our secondary schools. You go to one secondary school. Last time I went to Winneba Secondary for a scripture, you know, rally. They were over 2,000. The room was so packed, we couldn't even, the, there was no sitting room. People were standing outside. This is the time our secondary schools are, are, are ready for harvest. We can waste the opportunity because a time is coming, these youth will not listen to the gospel again. You are in the university. Every secondary school student respects a university student. You can just walk to your alma mater and start discipling people, speaking to people. You can. You can't say, I can't do anything. You are you school that preset. You are in Lego. Why don't you decide that every Saturday you will go to preset? And when they see, oh, old boy, okay, hey, 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 is the headmaster, how is that? Yeah. Then you start talking to the students. Just conversing with them, sharing the gospel. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I was born again in secondary school. Next year will be my 50th year in Christ. And what does that mean? It means you can get students who stand for Jesus and work for him. It's more useful to even get a, a youth than a bank manager who is 55 years old. How long is he going to serve the Lord? After 55, some five years, he's pensioned, and then he rather you serve him in the church. But when a young person comes to church, he arranges chairs, he sweeps, he carries the fafisa, the, the instruments, and he serves with his whole life. Why don't we go for them? What can you do? Your money can go. You can start a missions agency. You can mobilize people in your 
your dormitory or your lectures, five, ten minutes to pray for Kenya. Once a week. You need to do something about the missions. You need to be part of the missions. Your Lord who bought you with his blood says the whole world must hear. How can you sit down? Do you love him? Well, that's it. Let's be on our feet. My altar call is simple. If you, if you are here, you are ready. God should send you anywhere. You are ready. Go do your national service with secondary school just for the sake of discipling people there. Please come forward. You are ready for anything. You are ready to go to Senegal. You are ready. God, Lord Jesus, I am ready. I'm ready to go to China. I'm ready. My life is yours. You bought me. I, I, you said, as the Father has sent me, so send I. I am ready. Just come forward. You are ready anywhere, anytime, anyhow. He wants to send, send you. Here I am. Send me. Send me. Yes. Just come forward. I'll pray with you. Please, if you are here and you know that even if the Holy Spirit speaks to you 70 times and you have 50 dreams and 18 visions and six prophecies, you won't go today, you won't go tomorrow. Please sit down. Don't just sit down. Sit down where you are. Because you don't need prayer for that. Are you with me? You know that you know. That no matter what heaven says, you won't go today. You won't go tomorrow. Please sit down. I don't, I, I'm not going to pray for you. And my prayer doesn't cover you. Just sit down. Because you know yourself that, you know. And those of you who have come here. God is serious with serious people. Please raise your hand. Say, Lord Jesus, the blood that bought me is what I'm responding to. I am ready to be trained, to be prepared to go wherever you send me. Anytime. Spirit of God, Come, give me a fresh anointing, a fresh oil. In Jesus' name. Yes, yes. Take, take the oil. Take the anointing of the Spirit of God. Take the fire. Yes, this is the hand of the Holy Spirit upon your life. Take, 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 take the oil. Take anointing. A missionary anointing. Yes, Kianda Habaka. Kimaka Kianda. Kianda. Take, take, take the missionary anointing. Take, take missionary anointing. 
take oil, take oil, yeah, yeah, makakianda, take oil, take oil, take oil, take oil, take empowerment, take empowerment, take empowerment, take empowerment, take empowerment, take passion, take passion, take passion, take passion for the nations, passion, compassion for the dying multitude. Yes. Yes. Yes, Spirit of God. Yes, that is the Holy Spirit. He is responding to you. Yes, Kianda. Ayema Kakianda. Ba Kakianda. Aye Kakianda. Aye Kakianda. Bo Kakima Kurianda. Nkerianda. Shakianda. Father, thank you. It's a deal. These lives are yours. May you take them. Mold them, use them to finish this task in Jesus' name. Amen. Please, before you go, you see my gray hair. I've told God that I want to finish, I want to finish this task of world evangelism before I leave this earth. I don't want to just leave it to anybody. If I could do this work alone. I won't call you. If I can evangelize this world alone, I won't call you. Christians, they bluff too much. Why? Why? He's my father. He bought me with his blood. If I can do this work alone, I don't need you. I won't call you. I will finish it and go there and tell him how it went. You have come. Don't look at anybody. Pray. Don't marry just anybody. Some people, when you marry them, they kill the anointing on your life. And don't just do anything with your life. Because from today, you have signed a contract with heaven. And the preparation stage is rough because he knows what you are going to face. God bless you in Jesus' name. So, I, what I can tell you is that anytime need my help I will prepared we have a training school and amen God bless you thank you let me pray for the rest of you before you sit down father in the name of Jesus I lift up this generation before you I pray and you use them as vessels, instruments to finish this task in one generation because it can be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Please sit down.